Guys, welcome back to the show. Thanks what for having up? us. It's been, dude, it's been a couple years, and I remember the last time that you guys came on. Um, I, it was so fresh to me seeing like the like animal flow, the mace work, kettlebell stuff. And it's also interesting to think the perception that I get, had of you guys like before we chatted. Like I thought that you only used kettlebells and like that's how you got everything done. And as I've gotten to kind of learn from you guys from just watching over the years, it's like, okay, there's, there's some barbells involved. There's other stuff you guys mess around with. So uh, I'm pumped to dive a little bit deeper into some of those methods today. Sweet. Yeah, we definitely want to clear things up, let people know that we're not just uh, unconventional savages. We mix it up for sure. You know, you have to, you know, use the right tools for for what the goals are. And our goals are constantly changing. So got to mix it up. Yeah. Well, tell me about that, because you did go through a bit of like, a, you know, you were bulking for a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And then now you're like super ripped. What was kind of um, how has the goal evolved for you over the years? Yeah. So, you know, starting out, I was, you know, fresh into coaching back in 2014. I'd always worked out. I was into MMA fighting. And so I was always pretty lean and ripped from working out all day, you know, two to three times a day doing jujitsu, kickboxing, conditioning or workouts. And, you know, eventually when I started coaching, you know, I kind of maintained that same physique because I wanted to, you know, show people how to get lean. You know, most people who come into the gym, they want to get, get jacked, get shredded. So I was yeah. trying to maintain that image. And, but I got to a point to where, you know, I was super lean, but, you know, being in that caloric deficit all the time for, you know, years on end and not really giving my body like time to like recover and bounce back and kind of going on maintenance calories. I started losing muscle mass. I started feeling like crap. And I just kind of, I flipped the switch to where I was just like, man, I'm tired of this. You know, yeah. like I, I want to eat what I want to eat. I want to eat tacos. Like I'm Mexican and like, I want to hang out with my grandma. I want to go do family stuff, not be that awkward person at the party who can't, you know, who has to say no to everything, you know? So mm -hmm. that, you know, I had a problem, honestly, you know, but before I did that bulking, I had like a problem to where I was super, counting macros all the time and not giving myself, not really balancing it out to where I was still enjoying food. And so I ended up going in the opposite direction and going, I'm just going to bulk up and eat anything and everything and use this time to put on some more muscle mass since I was losing some muscle. Mm -hmm. And so I did that and I just, I did it kind of like really bad to where I gained a ton of body fat, but I was just like, whatever, like I haven't done this in years. I'm just going to enjoy myself. And I got super fat. I gained a ton of muscle. But then by the time it, it came to, you know, I was like, oh, I need to cut down now. I need to get lean again. It was just, it was a lot harder to lose all that body fat than it was to put it on. Yeah. And, uh, but since then, I figured out a more balanced approach to, you know, body recomposition. And now I enjoy myself a lot more. I don't restrict myself from foods. I don't count macros you know, super like detailed as I used to. Now I kind of have a more intuitive, you know, I did spend some time kind of relearning, counting a little bit, and then just kind of, you know, counting to where it finally became easier to just kind of eyeball things. And mm -hmm. now I can fit in some more 
different types of foods. Like I eat carbs all the time now to help fuel my workouts. I used to try to be carb free to try to, you know, shred body fat, but that was the dumbest mistake I ever made because I was training so hard. I needed that fuel for my body. And now that I take a more balanced approach, I'm still lean, but I'm strong and I'm happy. You know, we still go out to eat. We go to parties now. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> life's a lot more fun. I love it. Um, I, we're going to bookmark that because I want to hear a little bit more about what worked and then what really didn't because mm-hmm. um, you have that insight. But uh, how about you, Francesca? What's how's your um, how have your goals evolved? Did you also jump on this bulking train or were you kind of a little bit different? No, I was uh, on the sidelines giving him the side eye the whole time <laughs> and nasty comments. <laughs> but um, no, I think uh, just from the time that I first stepped into the gym, I've gone from, you know, trying to focus on just like, you know, recomp- recomping my body um, to focusing on like mud races and always having like, a, you know, a physical goal, like always trying to do a race or do this many miles running. Um, so I think I've transitioned from having uh, more like quantitative goals, goals to having more qualitative goals. So now I'm thinking less like, okay, how many miles can I do or less? So how much can I press or how much can I deadlift to how, how good I feel? So I think Mm -hmm. my biggest goal now is just to like be in good health, to be, you know, a good functioning human, to be able to like squat without Mm -hmm. pain and hinge without pain and, you know, just be able to move well. That's my, I think my new goal. And I think I've been here for a little bit. I think the last time we talked um, I think I had a similar goal, but yeah, definitely not all about the aesthetic anymore. Aesthetic's important, but I'm more about, you know, feeling good. Yeah. Um, I want to know, like, because I know we started this talking about like how, okay, I thought you guys did like, Eric, you did kettlebells only and Francesca, you did animal flow and that was like your jam, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I want to hear more about the different things that you guys do, I guess, throughout the week and how these pieces fit in but do you guys know anybody who is like 100 percent all in into like one of these methods like let's say animal flow or mace work or kettlebells and like that's mm-hmm. all they utilize no not really yeah Isn't that, that's awesome i mean that's really interesting um because it's like sometimes from like watching you know uh instagram or seeing feeds and how it's all like uh you know focused around one methodology you can kind of be like oh, okay this is how this person did it but it's it's great to hear that there's a lot more behind the scenes going on mm-hmm. so what are you what are, what are you guys what are you guys doing um because outside of just kettlebell flows and animal uh animal flow what are some of the other i guess training methodologies or or uh pieces of equipment that you're kind of involving uh recently i've been biking a lot i have like a gravel bike so i go off-roading and the trails a road bike uh that's been one of my main sources of cardio in the mornings is uh cycling Mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun you know i used to run a lot i still run you know once or twice a week but cycling right now is my jam it's a lot easier on the joints and it's a lot more fun you know feeling the breeze while you're riding through the streets super dope um, but besides that, I also do, you know, barbell training two or three times a week. And we, I do kettlebells and animal flow, same thing, two or three times a week, mixing that in. So, you know, it's pretty, pretty good balance. Uh, the only thing I, I want to get back into that I haven't been doing is martial arts training. Yeah. Um, um, for me, that's like the best, most like best way to stay athletic and get really jacked. 
Right. I'm super shredded when I do martial arts classes. Is there um, <clears throat> an animal flow, right? Is there something where you, uh, I, I don't know the name of the move that you were doing, but it was like kind of like a, like you were bringing the knee up as if you were kind of hitting like a pad, right? So it's like, a, I don't know, a knee kick or a crunch or something like that. You did a burpee and then you went into like a high knee kick and it looked like you were kind of like doing some type of kickboxing, right? Yeah, I think that's where we totally create like a little like, we don't know what to call it yet. So we'll just call it like a primal movement hybrid because there is an animal flow move at the bottom. Like you're doing like a kind of like a sprawled position yeah, and you come up, but that's kind of, we've totally jacked it or it's like a Muay Thai move, right? Yeah, Muay Thai we just, just call it a knee strike. You know, we don't really give it a fancy name. We just combine, you know, some combat moves, some punches. We even do some like punches in our, our new program, some knees, some kicks. I love just that. Mix it up, man. Just because, you know, doing striking is for me is, is super fun. You know, I feel like you're fighting. And but you also you're moving in different ranges, so it's adding to what you're already doing with animal flow and with the kettlebells. Just uh, not under load. You know you don't have to be on the ground on your on your wrists. You don't have to have a kettlebell. You're just moving around super dynamically. So it's a good way to jack your heart rate up while moving like a ninja. Yeah, I don't mean this in any pompous way at all. This is totally quoting another person. But someone messaged me the other day and they said that they think that. Like Eric and I are like the Bruce Lee of fitness just because we're like, there's no line in between one discipline and not another, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like you mix martial fitness, sir. <laughs> that's a great place to be, you know, because I think like that's where um, I, there's a lot of learning that happens, too, because <clears throat> traditionally it's like you have one discipline that people mastered and they taught and, and it got passed on and uh, sometimes you know, mentally, you can also gravitate towards that. Like, I'm, I love kettlebells. That's my jam, right? But then when you explore barbell training and then you do a little bit of animal flow, there's probably a cool transfer uh, that happens. Have you guys noticed that at all? Like from doing martial arts to maybe animal flow to mace work, do they do they kind of meet in the middle in some way? Like, have you noticed oh, yeah. that? I think so. Yeah, for sure. I feel like you know, using kettlebells and unconventional training, it helps you, you know, become more aware of your body. I don't know if we talked about this last time, but you work, you know, different, you know, grips and ready positions that work different muscles that you probably wouldn't normally feel when you're Mm -hmm. using conventional equipment. So this helps you kind of become stronger in different ranges, different positions. And so that way, when you pick up a barbell, you feel a lot stronger because you're more aware of all those little muscles that you wouldn't normally feel if you were only doing conventional training. So it translates super well. It actually, you know, I took a couple of years where I was doing mostly kettlebells and hardly touched a, a barbell. And I was just focusing on just kettlebell training and my martial arts. And I was mm-hmm. able to, you know, give my, my joints a break. My back used to hurt a lot from doing heavy squats and heavy deadlifts. And so after I came back to incorporating barbells more regularly, I felt a lot stronger in my lifts is because I was more aware of my my posture muscles, you know, my posterior, all, all all muscles that were, I felt like I activated more when I was using unconventional tools, and so yeah, I think it has a huge carryover to making you stronger all around instead of just in you know single ranges of motion, you know, going pressing up and down, mm-hmm. pulling you know vertically, horizontally. 
you know, pulling from different angles can help you, you know, make your fundamentals a lot stronger as well. So, uh, you know how, like, if you do, let's say, a 15-minute flow of some sort, kettlebell flow, you, like, your breath will get going. It'll feel like a bit of a cardio-type stimulus, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I guess if you go, you know, you go heavy enough, and it will also, you'll get kind of a strength stimulus there, too. Mm-hmm. How have you guys viewed it in terms of when you're doing a kettlebell flow in the rest of your session or the rest of your training, where does it traditionally fit in? Are you, is the flow the warm up? Is it your conditioning? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For me, I like to use kettlebell flows. If I'm doing like a strength training session, you know, obviously the main part of the meat of my meat and potatoes of my workout that day is probably going to be, you know, squats, deadlifts or bench press, you know, the primary lifts or traditional stuff to help me maximally heavy and focus on maximal strength. But for the warmups, I like to get dynamic to get everything firing on all cylinders before I get under the bar. So for me, doing a kettlebell flow is a good way to get the full body juiced up. And yeah, I'll use it for warm up or I'll even use it as a conditioning finisher, you know, because for my my strength workouts and, you know, high intensity barbell sessions where I do all those conventional lifts, I like to kick it off with a solid full body warm up and a full mm-hmm. body conditioning finisher. So that's usually where a kettlebell flow will fit in. Otherwise, I'll do a full workout that's just conditioning based, all kettlebell flows, animal flow and body weight and kettlebells. So that's how I like to use it. How long do you, not that there's a hard line, obviously, but like, do you do 15 minute flows, five minute flows, like one flow of X amount of movements? What's your sweet spot that you find where you can kind of maybe get into a flow state? You can also like yeah. get your breathing going, all that good stuff. It depends on, you know, how I'm feeling, but usually, you know, I like to keep it super structured. I'll do a conditioning like uh, protocol to where I'll do 60 seconds work, 60 seconds rest or 90 seconds work, 60 seconds rest and a little bit less rest to really challenge myself. Um, but that's not where I'm trying to reach that flow state. That's when I'm just trying to do a full body movement with the kettlebell flow and I'll keep it structured to those, those segmented times. Otherwise, if I'd really go for those longer five minute flows to where I'm just kind of flowing around, doing all kinds of moves, not really focusing on, you know, keeping even reps on both sides and just looking for that flow state, trying to get in the zone. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do like five minutes up to 10 minutes where I'm just moving around. I even put the kettlebell down, do some body weight moves and find that flow state. Um, but usually uh, I'll do 30 max 90 second intervals with rest in between or if i'm doing like the 30 second intervals i'll also incorporate some body weight moves in there like animal flow moves um as a little circuit and so you know it's different methods but just depends on how i'm feeling that day totally and is it the same for you francesca do you kind of follow a similar protocol or do you you know does it fit differently into your whole uh schedule yeah, I think it fits a little bit differently for me. Um, Eric is just built different and he can just like start going like hard in the beginning of the workout. Like mm-hmm. to him, it's easy. And to me, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I got to warm up. <laughs> right. got to warm up before the warm up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more that type of person. So I you will never see me doing a kettlebell flow as a warm up usually. Yeah. Um, but I like to I usually 
I like to put them in in my strength workouts when I'm feeling crunched for time. That's one of my favorite ways. So I think a lot of times I catch myself thinking like, man, I want to add in a push and pull and a little bit of leg work, but I don't have enough time. So I'm like, all right, strength kettlebell flow. So I'll do maybe like a clean and a row to some presses and maybe add in like a deadlift or some swings to like hit the posterior chain. Mm -hmm. But um, that's usually how I like to program mine. I like to add them in as like the into like the last quarter of my workout, like right before I'm about to decompress. Um, I'll do like a strength flow for everything that I felt like I was missing in my workout and then on my, my mobility days, especially if I want a little bit of extra aspect of strength as well, um, I'll just like add on a kettlebell and do some of my mobility moves. Um, maybe even I like to do recently, I've been doing a lot of like uh, ground to standing type of work. So yeah. just to create like any type of movement flow to get, a, you know, from the ground up with some resistance has been a fun one. But yeah. So goal oriented, I think, is usually my thing, like for usually strength or mobility. That's pretty cool. And and do you find that um, when you because obviously when you push heavy on a barbell movement, like you can drift into the fives and the threes and the ones. How do you guys what's a heavy rep range for you guys when it comes to kettlebells? If you're going for kind of a strength effect. Ooh, yeah, like three, five. Yeah. OK. Yeah, it's hard to find, you know something that's going to challenge you for one rep with a kettlebell unless you're doing like single leg movements. Um, but for the most, like you could do like a one arm press. It's really heavy, single mm-hmm. Bulgarian, but it's like, you also got to figure out a way to get it up. Right. Yeah, so exactly. so, it, so there's a little like, more complexity. Yeah, in a three to five rep range is great for strength yeah. and power for me when I do kettlebell. Or if it were going to be in the one rep range, I think what would be good is like an ISO. Cause I know sometimes I'll like challenge myself with like a bottoms up hold and like, that's that's all I can do. All I can do is hold it. So let's count that. Yeah, <laughs> maximum Turkish get up. You know, stuff is super, that's super challenging for one rep. You know, so stuff like that. It, it's Full funny stuff. Yeah, it's funny you guys bring up uh, ISO work because I'm curious. Like kettlebells and uh, even animal flow, sometimes it can. There's a lot of it looks dynamic, right? There's a lot of bending. There's a lot of jump in or move in and. Um, you know, uh, to, to counterbalance that, I'm sure ISO work is awesome. How much of it do you guys traditionally do? And are you using kettlebells with it too? Like you're doing kettlebell, uh, like you said, bottoms up holds and things like that. I don't think I do enough isometric work, honestly, but, um, I do try to do it with like the bottoms up holds and more so with like traditional, like kinesthetics moves, um, more so than the animal flow. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of something. I, I think we I focus more on tempo than I do isometrics. But, Got it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so and by that, do you mean like uh, doing like your, you get your ISO by doing pauses in the bottom of a yeah. squat or something? Mm-hmm. That's smart. Okay. You're yeah. killing two birds with one stone there. <laughs> yeah, I like doing isometric stuff a lot. I like doing like isometric rows or inverted rows on a barbell or a TRX, like isometric pull-ups. Um, but with the kettlebell, the only isometrics I like to really do are like, if I'm doing progressing progressions on a Turkish get up, holding, you know, all the various positions for, for holds and or mm-hmm. bottoms up holds that like we're talking about. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I like to mix them in into my conditioning days or, or my warm ups when I'm doing, you know, warming up for, for a lift. Um, but yeah, they definitely have a place in, in my programming depending Sweet. on the goal for the day. 
Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about Animal Flow because that one really fascinated me the last time we talked. I was really, um, you know, the, the sidekick throughs, the lateral apes, like I got some of the movements down, got to explore them. Um, how has that, let's say, discipline evolved over the years? Like, are, are there new movements you guys are playing around with and coming up with that you would consider animal flow movements? Um, or has your mindset changed in terms of how you incorporate it into what you're doing at all? Yeah, I think the way that the system itself has evolved, um, like I think things have become more sophisticated, you know, like mm. there, I think people are realizing that, um, you know, like body types are different. So I think um, with the teaching system that there's different progressions and let's say like the crab reach, there's ways to make the crab reach more and more progressive depending on like whatever your fitness level is. Um, but I think for me, I think I've just become more open-minded and realized that, you know, how we were talking about in the beginning, you can actually add in animal flow with some kettlebell moves and add it in with some Muay Thai moves. So I think a lot of times when we learn animal flow, we become very rigid with our thought and we think like, okay, we can only match a sidekick through with like another movement similar. But in mm -hmm. reality, you know, you can do like a jujitsu roll or you can get up and, you know, mm -hmm. do like a plyometric exercise after. So to me, I really just started to embrace it as movement and really just, you know, kind of being more open-minded and kind of just free-flowing with what I can combine it with. So instead of combining animal flow with animal flow, I'll combine animal flow with a little bit of modern dance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really is, cool. Yeah. I think, mean, you know, animal flow is a system that has pretty rigidly defined moves that um, the creator, Mike Fitch kind of, he comes up with. And so out of respect, you know, we don't like try to make things up and call them animal flow. Right. You know, because, you know, he has he's super, uh, uh, you know, specific about what's animal flow. So mm -hmm. what we're doing is just kind of coming up with our own moves that we just call movement. You know, it's, there's nothing yeah. fancy about it. It's just stuff that we like to do and things that make sense for our bodies and that feel good. Yeah. And for a while, a lot of people that aren't familiar with. Um, you know, like kettlebell sport training or aren't familiar with like unconventional tools or animal flow. They're like, what is it that you guys do? And for a while, we're like, you know, there's no name to it. And I think we've started leaning into that more because it's super non-dogmatic way of looking at movement, you know, like movement, That's true. movement. it doesn't matter if you're a break dancer, a, surf, a surfer, a yogi, um, a crossfitter, you know, everybody moves. And I think leaning into it more from like a like a human perspective of like we need this for health I think kind of invites more people to be more open-minded to movement so I know some people that are like strictly barbell lifters are like oh these people are break dancing like monkeys and it's like actually it's great for your body and it feels good you know just try it <laughs> that's something I really like about how you guys write your stuff too like or when you guys put out videos and whatnot like um I don't know. Did you, you normally don't have like names attached to them. It's kind of like move one, move yeah, two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do that. I, that's what I do. I do move one, move two. It's so three. smart. Because I'm tired of arguing with people whether it's <laughs> yeah. a split stance row or this is a kickstand uh, row. Yeah, like, right, oh, right. Fair. It's a row, you know. Staggered stance Like call it whatever you want. <laughs> totally. You want to try it. Try it out. Man, you probably get, do you, do you get a lot of that? Like people kind of, I used to, uh, yeah, people fighting on my, in my comments section, I guess it's good for engagement, but I got tired of trying to argue with people. Right. I guess move on, move two, move three. Well, do, I feel like you can get more creative that way. 
because like <clears throat> you don't have to lock yourself into like how do I articulate what this is? Yeah. It's like, hey, watch me and try to follow along. Mm-hmm. Um and and I'm sure you slow it down or whatever and there's ways mm-hmm. to regress it. But uh you can like you were saying, you can mix things a little more interestingly. Like I didn't even think about uh what was the type of dance you just said? Like a dance movie with modern dance. Modern dance. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> so <laughs> w- so there's kickbox right now there was like Muay Thai kickboxing that you guys have incorporated in there. Uh modern dance. What are some other things that you found that are starting to work well? Are you, are you, you said jujitsu. Um, what, like, I find that cool because, like, I may not go to a full on jujitsu class, but like mm-hmm. getting exposure through watching you do it is probably something I might do. Um, <clears throat> especially if it fits in and it gets my heart rate up and all those good things. So, uh, Absolutely. yeah, what are some of your favorites right now in terms of like unconventional stuff? I'm always inspired by like capoeira too. That's one of my, um, cause I also used to break dance. So for me, I feel like break dancing and capoeira have like a awesome spot in my heart. Yeah. And I feel like that influences a lot of like just the combinations that I do. Um, I'm for sure influenced a lot by wrestling. There's a lot of stuff that I'll see wrestlers do and I'm like, Oh, I want to do that. So wrestling for mm-hmm. sure. Like wrestling, yeah. <clears throat> as in like professional wrestlers, or are we talking like? No, more so like mat drills, you know. Got it, got <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, like I, I like to incorporate the rock bottom into my flow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. I do, I do also feel like when I, because you guys seem you've been working out in in uh, your garage a little more, and it looks like you've you've uh, hooked it up and you've got some new toys and stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the background, you have like your Dragon Ball Z um, posters <laughs> and stuff, and it's so yeah. funny because like, dude, you actually. When you're like jacked and ripped, you actually look kind of like a Dragon Ball Z character. Do you get that a lot? Hell yeah. That's been the goal since, you know, watching Dragon Ball Z as a kid. I want to look like that, like a Super Saiyan. Right, right. That's amazing. You know, I'm still experimenting with putting on and get, you know, trying to gain more muscle because those guys are swole, dude. You know, because yeah. Um, but just taking my time now, I'm not rushing into trying to bulk up, put on 40 pounds in three months. Now I'm taking my time, going with the seasons, enjoying my life, and putting on a healthy amount of muscle, you know, in a healthy way. So it's been good, man. I feel strong, strongest I've ever been, and get, uh, getting lean again for the summer, you know, while maintaining size. So it's been great. Yeah, you, you guys hit on that earlier. You you, you use the term recomposition, right? Um, mm-hmm. What are some things, like doing it the right way, versus doing it in a way that was, you know, whatever. It, it brought on some side effects or things that you didn't want to. Um, what have you found when, just from experimentation there? Uh, just taking my time and, you know, playing with my macros, the amount of food that I'm eating, um, and trying different protocols like carb cycling. Like I've been trying that by doing five days of low carbs, but not like no carbs, just low carbs and eating my carbs around my training sessions and for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And that's been great. I've been doing five days, low carbs and two, two, uh, carb, uh, refeeds on the weekends on Saturday, Sunday. And it's been amazing. You know, I've been able to slowly lose weight, lose body fat while maintaining muscle because I'm not 
you know, depriving myself seven days a week of no, like zero carbs all, all, mm-hmm. all month long, every single day and getting into a bad mood, getting hangry, you know, now <laughs> I can, you know, add those carbs back in on the weekend before my, my muscles start to, you know, become catabolic and start wasting away, you know, so I've been able to maintain a lot of muscle while staying fueled. And it's been awesome. You know, before I would do no carbs, very little carbs to get my carbs from vegetables. You know, now I eat carbs in the morning for breakfast and then carbs post-workout and a little bit of carbs throughout the day with my other meals. And it's been awesome, man. You know, but that's what's been working for me. You know, everybody's got different, you know, there's all types of diets that work for everybody, you know. So you just got to see what works for you. And carb cycling has been working great for me because I could kind of reward myself throughout the day and even more on the weekend. So it's been awesome. Yeah. And as somebody that's just watched him go through all of these transitions and just kind of like watching like a zoo animal go crazy, like in an experiment, (laughs) um, pretty much. He's honestly way happier. I think just taking the approach of slow and steady. And I think for anybody, I think that's great advice, like slow and steady and um, just don't do anything extreme, you know, focus on sleep and like hydration and good foods. Mm Because I think... Yeah, watching watching people go through the like ebbs and flows of figuring out what works for them is very hard. But I think everybody ends up to the same conclusion of like slow and steady is usually best. Yeah, yeah. Set, setting realistic goals, you know, knowing that I can't put on 10 to 15 pounds of, you know, healthy weight in a month. More like <laughs> half a pound to maybe a pound a week, you know, maybe even a month. Yeah. For me, I've been losing weight at about two two pounds a month, you know, two to three pounds a month. And that's, I feel amazing. You know, I'd rather take it slow instead of crash dieting and, you know, feeling like crap. I've been taking my time and I'm a lot happier and I'm reaching my goals. It takes a little bit longer, but it's a lot more sustainable. You know, especially when I hit my goal, I know that I'm not just going to bounce back because mm-hmm. I'll be able to maintain that for a little bit and then slowly, you know, add, add those calories back in find my maintenance calories and just, you know, find a, a new, a new state of homeostasis to where I feel good. And, you know, it's just about taking it slow and that's been a hard lesson to learn, but <laughs> I've learned it. I feel like I'm still learning it and it's been good, man. Life's a lot better. That's great, man. Did you, do you guys, um, have you found any recipes or meals or shakes that you're like, this has made your life easier, uh, as you've been following, kind of uh you know this more intuitive style of eating i eat pasta like four times a week but the the trick is is that i avoid it doesn't have anything that irritates me so i'm like i think like most people i try to cut down how much wheat and how much dairy i eat so it's mm-hmm. a chickpea pasta so it's packed with fiber packed with complex carbs and fat and protein and then um, any type of like lean meat for the most part, or we eat a lot of red meat here too, but just any ground type of meat um, or for anybody that's vegetarian, you can do like lentils or tofu mm-hmm. um, or all the beyond type of meats. But mm-hmm. yeah, essentially the bonza pasta is what I've been eating. So the chickpea pasta with meat and tomato sauce with a lot of veggies. So like jalapenos and garlic and onions and bell peppers, like lots and lots of veggies. And usually with a salad on the side, Fantastic. I can literally yeah. live off of that. I pretty much eat it for like lunch and dinner too. It's kind of pathetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds good. Day, so she can kind of stock up on that pasta and that meat sauce. I like, yeah. uh, 
my go-to quick recipe that has made life easier for me is tuna salad. I love oh, making yeah. a badass Classic. tuna salad. A couple of cans of tuna, some uh, Primal Kitchen Chipotle mayo. I'll throw in some raisins in there, some uh, chives, uh, jalapenos, mm-hmm. all the good stuff, onions, garlic. And you've been doing it on a lettuce wrap, right? Yeah, and I'll even do like little lettuce wraps or like those little like taco. I yeah. I guess it's lettuce. Romaine wrap. lettuce. Romaine lettuce. Yeah, those those really long ones, skinny ones. You can pull yeah, them up yeah. like a taco. Yeah, I'll fill those up with tuna salad, eat like a tuna taco. That's great, man. I love that. Um, I want to, uh, I, I forgot to ask you this, but um, when it comes to like, this is circling back to kettlebell stuff, but do you guys have any testers that you look at either for yourselves or with people in terms of, like, I know, I know there's like, um, uh, I don't know if it's the, like the kettlebell certifications or if it's just, uh, you know, there's like a challenge or something that everybody does and, and, uh, there's specific standards, a weight you use, how many swings you do. What are some of those things that you've evolved or you found for yourself that works well in terms of maybe gauging somebody's starting point and using it to kind of come back and see how you've grown? Yeah, I think for us, it's more so. Um, kind of going back to what we talked about in the beginning, like going less straying away from like repetitions and um, quality or quantifying something more to quality, like the quality of something. So instead mm-hmm. of how many reps we could do with something, we're more so looking at like the technique. So we're very, very big into movement technique, all about like if you're doing a clean, um, the clean is an amazing movement just to tell, it tells so much about a person. Like it tells if they're creating the power from their legs, if they're actually using the technique to get the weight up. Right. So kind of, we could use the same movement over and just kind of like compare it to their last one. And I think that's a great way to kind of tell where somebody's at, where their progress is going. And if they've actually, you know, mastered a movement correctly. Yeah, it definitely depends on, you know, what the goal for the, the challenge is, the mm-hmm. client, you know, whether they're trying to lose weight or whether they're trying to get stronger, that mm-hmm. totally depends on that. And, you know, whether it's like they're looking for strength, obviously we'll test their strength doing something, you know, like a deadlift or how many pull-ups they can do. If it's a beginner client, how many goblet squats they can do with a certain kettlebell and then test them against those same criteria later on. But one that I really like that we learned from uh, Dr. John Russin is um, uh, like – how many goblet squats you can do with half your body weight without Ooh. putting it down. Yeah. That's super challenging. I yeah. haven't done it myself, but I, I did it with a lot of my clients and they loved it and it worked really well to help test their strength, you know, starting, you know, in the first week and then on week five, try it again. And it was a great, great test that people loved. So. Yeah. It, I mean, it's simple and it gives you something mm-hmm. that like, I'm sure, six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks later, you come back to, and -hmm. it gives you kind of a a frame of reference for, for, you know, how things have kind of come along. Exactly. Yeah. So stuff like that, but like Francesca was saying, um, for the most part, you know, since we focus on a more holistic approach to training, we like to focus on quality of movement and making sure they're actually doing quality reps because anybody can bang out a hundred snatches with really crappy form you know, if they're doing really clean technique, that's what we're looking for. Yeah. Like when I have my, um, right now I've been taking on a lot more new clients since, you know, things are easing up and people are more comfortable with training. 
So with my new clients, I always kind of just put them through a super, super basic protocol. So I have them do an isometric, which is a plank. I have them do push, pull, squat, and hinge. Um, and usually like super, very, very lightweight, but it's all about focusing on the movement. Like, are they um, creating the tension where they should be? You mm. know, are they um, are they radiating tension? How's their grip? What's their joint positioning like? You know, are they using their scaps to pull? What's their neutral spine looking like? Um, so that's for sure what we're looking for. Those are kind of the qual- uh, more of the qualitative things that you're looking at. Absolutely. You mentioned tension and creating tension. That feels really important like that. Uh, I I know when it comes to like doing, you know, cars and things like that, shoulder cars, hip cars, it's, it's all dependent on how much Mm -hmm. tension you can create. And it's, it's almost something like, I guess you, you can somebody, if you're watching, you can be like, all right, the person's doing it or not. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's more like it could look okay on camera, but really that person might just be going through the motions and not creating mm-hmm. tension. How, how do you maybe teach it or look for it uh, in, in a way that gets across to somebody like, hey, this is how you're supposed to create tension? I think it's one of those things that's very individualized and mostly just because there's so many ways to teach somebody. Because um, yeah. for a lot of people, sometimes you just got to teach them like, or some people are, they're very easy to communicate to. So some people, you just tell them, make a fist and squeeze all your muscles and they're radiating tension like crazy. Like they've mm-hmm. done it a million times. And then there's some people that I feel like, especially people that have been working out for a very long time and have more of like a, a dance background. For those people, it's so hard because they're able to disassociate one part of their body from the next. So it's hard to keep that full body tension. So for mm-hmm. some somebody that's having a hard time, while even go down to like, using an analogy with them you know that like if you have a guitar string the guitar string if it's loose you don't hear you know the guitar string has to be taut um so really it's super individualized but anywhere from you know the fist and just squeeze everything to kind of going more into visualizations of like a guitar string um yeah what about you yeah i was talking about like when using kettlebells radiating tension when you're squeezing the bell first we teach them to Grip the bell as hard as you can, feel those forearms light up, and then we teach them after that to feel the, the grip light up the forearms and then flex your pecs, squeeze your lats, and then after that, you know, brace your core, squeeze your hips, tuck your pelvis, and then split the ground apart, activate your legs, your quads, you know, kind of just working your way from, you know, the, the center of the bell from where you mm-hmm. start holding the, the weight out to the rest of the body you know muscle group by muscle group is a great way to learn to irradiate tension throughout the whole body and others you know cue like uh muscle like joint specific cues like you know trying to get them to activate the hips or the the glutes around the hips by you know learning to split the ground apart and you know uh, gripping the ground you know trying to you know like you said it's very individualized and just kind of seeing where that person's at and what they need help with but for the most part um, using that and breath, breathing, mm-hmm. use, using your core, you know, starting from the center out is a great way to do it, you know, using the breath. Yeah, it seems like um, with kettlebells, it's a little bit easier maybe to learn how to create tension because mm-hmm. it's an external object and it's like it's something outside of you that you can like – you know, you can feel this object versus uh, what I remember when you guys actually were in um, San Francisco and I was doing, you were, Francesca, you were teaching me how to do like the quad, um, quadruped crawl. 
mm-hmm. and the reverse quadruped crawl. And I had done it several times before you taught me, but the way you showed me was definitely different in the sense that it was very tight, very, very like extremely small movements. Like, mm-hmm. um, the tension that I could feel in like my quads and my hamstrings even from being in a quadruped crawl because I'm taking like two inch steps, but they're, everything is on. Like I can feel my obliques firing and all that good stuff. So it seems like animal flow, it's even more important to know how to create tension because there's so much subtlety, I think. Yeah. And especially the way that um, they design the movement practice, a lot of the moves too, it's like you're moving, but you're trying to create the illusion that you're not moving. So you're trying even like harder to like that's stabilize and squeeze, you know? Yeah. yeah, that's you're right. That's exactly what it is. It's like you're trying to create the illusion that you're not moving, <laughs> so which is what makes it hard. Um, <clears throat> do you find that the obliques are how, how – because I notice you got, there's a lot of anti-rotational – work and and unilateral work that's going on across all of this stuff right Mm -hmm. mace work animal flow kettlebells um how do you feel like the obliques for you kind of that that body part uh, do you feel like they're pretty well developed because you guys just are always doing that um and how do you see maybe with newer clients who come in to your door um you know does a lot of that because obviously, like having strong obliques will help you with, um, you know, not getting injured and and uh, producing more force in certain areas. And that's just something, I guess, for me personally, that is usually a little bit harder to engage or has been in, in the past. So I'm just more aware of it. And maybe that's why I'm asking the question. Um, mm-hmm. But do you do you notice that at all, like oblique development or um, core development overall being kind of something that is one of the biggest benefits of the style of training you guys do. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I feel like especially with all of the crawling movements, like you were mentioning, like trying not to wobble to one side, you feel a lot on that. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's the, um, it's like a contralateral plank where you do like one, you know, one arm is up and the opposite leg is up and you're kind of trying to hold that position. That's how I felt when I think uh, like they're called limb lifts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, quadruped limb lifts where you lift one hand or maybe I guess one arm and one leg off the floor, but you're just holding the position and trying not to like wobble or shake or uh, appear like you're out of line in any way. Absolutely. And it's mm-hmm. funny that you mentioned the obliques because I have a little bit of scoliosis. So I'll just like naturally always have some imbalances that like, you know, it, they'll be there, you know, as much as yeah. I want them to be, you know, the same, they're for sure what my right side will always be stronger. But um, my oblique on my left, man, I've been trying so hard to get that one stronger. And it's like the stronger my left one gets, the stronger my right, my right one gets. <laughs> like I'll never catch up. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, what's crazy is like for me, because I had a hip and back injury before, that's something I'm just more aware of is because mm-hmm. uh, and then also doing CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting for several years, it's very, you know, there wasn't as much one-sided work that I did back in the day when I was doing it. So I definitely noticed it uh, and I'm just more aware of it and and watch it when I view movement. So I'm a big fan of like all the single arm and single leg stuff that you guys do. Um, Not just because it can be done with like one kettlebell, but the Mm -hmm. fact that like 
it just teaches you a different type of awareness, I think, than than double arm or double leg work sometimes does. Yeah, I think um, you mentioned it before, but to everybody who's not super familiar with the term anti-rotation, I feel like you completely hit it with anti-rotation because especially when we teach um, movement, you know, there's like counter rotation, but then there's anti-rotation, which is a little bit different from the counter rotation. Um, So it's really trying to, I feel like counter rotation, you're trying to create a force that's opposing the rotation, but then in the anti-rotation, there's, I don't. I don't even know what's the difference, but it, you feel the difference. I don't understand yeah. the difference, but I feel the difference. <laughs> right. Is it is it more like um, re- actual rotation versus resisting rotation? Mm-hmm. Is that is that it? Yeah. So like, for example, like a Russian twist uh, is like a, you're actually actively rotating versus, mm-hmm. um, you know, something like, I guess, a single arm kettlebell, like bent over row. Yeah. is more anti-rotational because you're not like actually twisting or anything like that. Trying to completely mm-hmm. fight that twist. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Um, awesome, guys. Well, um, I have one more question before we, we start to wrap up. Um, and I'm curious uh, to somebody who like is entering the world of what you would call, let's say, unconventional training. They've done a lot of barbell work. They've done a lot of the traditional stuff, but um, they're now uh, attracted to kettlebells and exploring this different style of movement. What's the, like, what are some things you guys recommend to get your foot in the door? Because it is like a whole new world when you enter, uh, when you learn about animal flow or kettlebell flow, there's a lot of videos, a lot of stuff out there that you can do. How do you kind of get your foot in the door and start to just uh, utilize this in a way that will holistically fit into the rest of uh, what you're doing? I think the best way to do it is definitely, you know, to hire a coach. That's the best thing. You know, somebody who's experienced and they can keep an eye on you and really teach you the ins and outs. But if that's not accessible, um, there's tons of sources online, free stuff on YouTube, like you were saying. But we also have our own fundamentals courses. She has her body weight course where she teaches you a lot of animal flow. And I have my kettlebell course where I teach you all the fundamentals of kettlebell training. So those are good uh, entry points. You know, there are lower price points instead of having to pay a coach per Mm -hmm. hour. You can hit up our courses and learn pretty much all the ins and outs. And uh, it's a good, good place to start for sure. Just because there's a lot of, you know, intricacies that go into the type of training that we do and you want to make sure you're doing it in the safest way possible. And I think we do a good job of teaching you that foundation and the fundamentals to get you to, you know, doing all that fancy stuff. Yeah. Especially when there's like, um, uh, a, a lot of that work can be dynamic and fast paced mm-hmm. and moving. I always, I always think it's fascinating when I think of like, um, I don't know, like my mom or like my sister, somebody who like doesn't do any of this at all, but like they were to, it's like how, you know, how would you ease them and progress them into being able to even, let's say, do a swing, right? Let alone like a kettlebell clean or something like that. So I find the progression super interesting. And it seems like you, I mean, you guys teach it live in your workshops and seminars Mm -hmm. and stuff. So that's really cool. So you guys have captured that online as well. Yeah, it will teach you all the progressions that it takes to learn how to pick the bell from the floor up into your rack position all the way to doing rotational stuff overhead. So we will break it all down for you. Really 
focusing on nailing down a strong foundation. Because like you said, we want, you know, grandmas and moms, sisters, you know, to <laughs> yeah. be able to do this stuff without hurting themselves. So. Amazing. And do you um, tell me about programs? What do you have where like or do you have anything where you can jump in and there's like, hey, do this, do that. Move one, move two, move five. Yeah, we're actually launching our first program together, which is a little bit more intermediate and advanced, but it's going to have resources that break down some of those more difficult movements, teaching people the fundamentals so they can jump right in and do those those fun workouts. But that's coming up uh, March 15th, maybe by the time this uh, podcast is out, our program is going to be available and it's going to be super fun. But we're also working on a beginner um, entry, uh, a beginner entry level program. So that'll be launching soon as well. And that's going to be for anyone and everybody who wants to start, you know, jumpstart their, their fitness using unconventional tools. That's exciting. What, what, what would you say is the difference or how you maybe define, um, intermediate and advanced versus beginner? Like so who- definitely less rotational movements in, uh, the beginner because, you know, we feel like you need to earn the right to rotate. So that's yeah. making sure you have a sound foundation, a good understanding and awareness of your body before you start doing super dynamic stuff. Yeah. So on the beginner program, nothing will be fast paced. There won't be any high impact. There won't be any rotational, no power. Um, it'll all be more more uh, controlled, static movements. Uh, static and fluid, not so much dynamic. Because we like to think that's like our our criteria or our spectrum. I like that. Yes. You said yeah. static, fluid, and, and dynamic. dynamic. Yeah. That's how we like to teach, you know, in the certifications that I teach and in, in my, my, my kettlebell course, I teach you how to, you know, hold static positions on, like if you're doing kettlebell cleans, what do you, what do you have to do before you start cleaning the bell into the rack? You have to learn how to hold the bell in the rack position right. first. So we teach you to cheat clean it, you know, with two hands, Bring it into that rack position, hold a static rack, becoming aware of how to posture up with the bell in this position, learning to own and fighting that rotation. Don't let the bell pull you all over the place mm-hmm. before you learn how to pull the bell up into the rack, which is a little bit more fluid. And then you become more dynamic where you use your full body to explosively get it up. So, you know, it's all about taking people and owning the fundamentals. And that's what our beginner program is going to be like, you know, static and fluid. And then that way they can build that strong foundation to be able to do the more dynamic workouts in the more advanced programs. What could you give me, um, like for the fluid one, right? What, um, what are some movements that might fit into that? Uh, if, if whether it's animal flow or kettlebell flow, I think you mentioned like a row into a clean, Mm-hmm. That's not quite using your full body. That'd be fluid. Are yep. there any other ones that come to mind for you? I think um, like if we were going to break down like a kettlebell swing first, you would learn how to like hold the hold the hinge and hold the top of the position. And then for fluid, we would do like a we could do like a deadlift to teach yeah. it or a chest loaded swing, which is or like a chest loaded hinge. You take a kettlebell, hold it to your chest, into your sternum, and you pull the kettlebell into your your sternum as you're hinging. Kind of like a good morning. Yeah, kind of like you're doing a good morning. That's a fluid hinge, you know, and then you become more dynamic by doing an explosive 
chest loaded swing before we go to arms extended to do a full full on swing. It's kind of uh, like an air squat versus exactly. maybe a jump so squat. So you would do isometric squat holds at different levels, and then we'll teach you how to do a full range of motion squat while owning your posture, not you know losing your spine, uh, learning to hold the kettlebell in the rack. If you're loaded, you know try to keep that neutral spine as best you can. You know doing that in a fluid squat before doing like a squat jump or an explosive deadlift. You know things that are a more dynamic movement that require you know, uh, something more dynamic. So mm-hmm. yeah, you can do it with anything. You could do it with, uh, what are some other moves? I'm thinking, uh, well, snatch is kind of like the clean. Yeah. yeah like that would like, be dynamic. You would do, you yeah. would teach the rack position first and then we would teach like a really solid press. Yeah. And then, well, that one's harder to teach, but theoretically. Yeah, there's a lot going on in that one. (laughs) (laughs) You skip a lot of steps. (laughs) Yeah. But I know what you mean. It's like, okay, push-up versus, let's say, a plyo push-up, right? Or or, uh, you could do that with any pattern, really. Um, How do you, How? what can you expect in terms of, let's say, if you sign up, how many sessions are in a week and how long is each session? Yeah, so most of our programs, our new Primal Flow program is going to be five sessions a week, three high-intensity sessions where you're doing tons of, you know, dynamic kettlebell flows and bodyweight moves, uh, and then two training sessions a week where it's mobility-based. Some days you use a kettlebell to do some low-intensity mobility drills that we like with the kettlebell, and some days bodyweight only. So Mm -hmm. you're going hard three days a week, and two days a week you're going low-intensity, focusing on moving but you know active recovery and how long what do you think like from start to finish is it like a 60 minute deal 90 minute 30, deal 35 to 60 minutes max most of the, i think nice. the longest one is like 55 minutes mm-hmm. oh yeah. that's great okay so it can go as low as like 35 minutes you're yeah some of the out. mobility sessions the low intensity days are about 35 minutes long at the most and is it all um is it all kettlebell or is it what's the what do you need in terms of equipment yep you just need a yoga mat and a kettlebell. Mm-hmm. One nice. kettlebell, single kettlebell this time. That's cool. I'm glad, like, I like that you did that because I don't know why for me, like, I have dual and I, I, I'll i do it and I like it in the mix. But um, the accessibility that's there, if you have one kettlebell, having a, a whole program that you can do with just one thing, that feels really freeing. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you have a whole toolbox of movements available to you just from like one piece of equipment. So um, that's really cool. Now, where can, uh, tell us where can people go to sign up? Um, What's the deal? When does it uh, go live? And is there a deadline or anything like that? So it starts on March 15th. And for, it's also a challenge. So if anybody wants to qualify to win, you want to sign up for that date, but you could either just go to either of our Instagrams and it's on both of our links and bios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sweet. So there's no deadline to do the program on your own, but if you want to qualify to win one of the prizes, you have to sign up before March 15th. And then at the end of the 30 days, we're going to have a winner, two winners. Yeah. But the Ooh. program lifetime access. So yeah. people are interested. It's theirs forever. Like a yeah. DVD. So starting March 15th, <laughs> cool. you can just buy the program and do it at your own pace if you want. Got it. And for, tell, tell me, tell me about the challenge a little bit. What's the like? How do you win? And what what are you? How are you judging people? Um, people's so, performance. Yeah. So we're basing it on before and after photos. That's one criteria. You know, if you make a solid transformation, but also 
uh, consistency and engagement in our private Facebook group, making sure you're active in the community, you're, you know, tagging yourself, doing the workouts, you know, documenting that you're like on your social media. If you have social media, you're documenting yourself doing the workouts. And uh, we're also planning on doing some small challenges uh, week to week. You know, the most active person on social media is going to get free supplements, you know, so we're, we're planning that out. But for sure, consistency, engagement and transformation. So those are the three criteria right now that we're, we're focused on. I love yeah. it. Um, where now, um, just where's the main place that you'd like to send people to where they can kind of just keep up with your work? Did you say it was Instagram? Yeah, you can check us out on our profile pages at Francesca Fit and Primal Soldier. And uh, you can stay up to date with all our information there. We'll be posting up updates and we're doing live workouts pretty much um, every Saturday starting March 6th and March 13th. We got two free workouts on Instagram live coming up. Oh, cool. Okay. And they're up live for free too. We'll save them on our IGTV. So if you want to try out how some of the workouts are like, go to our Instagram TV and you'll see some free workouts on there and just follow along and try those before you jump right into making a purchase if you want. Love it. Well, dude, it was so great uh, getting to catch up with you two again. And I'm excited for you guys to launch this thing. I know it's going to be fun to make it just more accessible to more people. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, thanks again for, for taking the time and coming on. This was fun. 